Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. One of the first sins ever committed in this world was the excuse. After Adam had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he excused his sin by blaming Eve. And then Eve excused her sin by blaming Satan. The Bible is full of people who made excuses when God called them into service or when He called them on their sin. You may remember the story of Moses. When God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses said, I'm not eloquent. So the Lord said, I gave you your mouth. I can enable you to do it. How did Moses respond? Send someone else, Lord. So God said, I'll give you Aaron as your spokesman. Now go. God doesn't want excuses. He doesn't want people to say, I can't, when He calls them. Today's text gives the same kind of scenario. Jesus had guided His disciples through some very trying times. He had taught them for three years, preparing them for their own ministries. He had died for them. And He had given them the faith to believe in Him as the Messiah when He rose from the dead. But now it was time for them to go out on their own. Jesus told them, You will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The only catch was, Jesus would no longer be by their visible side to hold them by the hand. When the truth had finally sunk in, they were overwhelmed. How would they survive on their own? They couldn't. In a similar way, we oftentimes may believe that God gives us tasks that are just too difficult for us to handle. Whether it's getting your taxes done on time, or cleaning up the house and getting the food ready before company arrives, or watching three kids at one time, Sooner or later, we all say or have thought to ourselves, I can't do this. But Jesus has some good encouragement for us today. There was a boy named Ricky who grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. Ricky was born with a medical condition commonly known as club feet. The doctors had assured his parents that with the proper treatment and therapy, he would be able to walk somewhat normally, but he would never be able to run well. But the parents never told Ricky this. Day after day, he would join in with the other kids and would try to run and play with them. Eventually, in the seventh grade, Ricky even tried out for the cross-country team. And what do you know? He made it. What was the reason that the parents gave for Joey's success? We never told him that he couldn't do it. This is a good reflection of the humanistic approach to life today. 
The theory that many of our children are being given is, you can do whatever you set your mind to do. The only thing that will stop you is doubt about yourself. That's certainly optimistic, but it's not the full truth. But you and I both know that it goes on. Children are sometimes taught that they can be whatever it is they want to be. When he or she says, I can't, they are quickly corrected with a pep talk. You can! It sounds good. It even makes them feel good for a while. And so, people today, many of them, are filled with self-confidence that borders on self-absorption. But unfortunately, this confidence and this false hope often leads to feelings of disappointment or failure when certain expectations are not met. When the disciples, frightened of being alone, tried to talk Jesus into staying with them, did He say to them, You can do it. You can carry the torch. You can make the church grow. You don't need Me. Look again. Jesus never pointed His disciples to an inner strength. He never wanted His disciples to rely on self-potential. With God, things work in the exact opposite way. He knows what we are like. And He wants us to be realistic about ourselves. Jesus said, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. The only potential that we are truly born with is the potential for evil. So God wants us to realize that we are weak and that we don't have the ability to do whatever it is we want to do. Instead of pointing the disciples to themselves, Jesus gives them a much greater strength. He promised to give them a source of strength and power that would enable them to leap much taller buildings, as it were. They would give far greater speeches. They would have unlimited potential. He said to them, Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Although John's baptism also gave the Holy Spirit, this baptism would be an even more powerful baptism, enabling them even to speak in languages that they had never heard before. This is what gave the disciples confidence. It enabled them to say, I can carry the torch of faith, not just to my neighbors and my friends, but to the very ends of the earth. Jesus gave them confidence by showing them that the future of the church was not resting on their abilities or their eloquence or their know-how. The future of the church instead was in the hands of God. God would work through them. And if that weren't enough, God even gave them extra encouragement. As they were standing there staring up into the sky, what happened? Suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen Him go into heaven. So, 
Not only did the disciples gain confidence from knowing that the Holy Spirit would come and would work through them, God also showed them that He would give them His holy angels to guide and to protect them. They had heavenly helpers to assist with God's mission. This was one reason more that they could say with confidence, I can. And God still works in the very same way. All of you who have been baptized were given the same Holy Spirit and the same heavenly angels. They are just as powerful now as they were back then. And if the Holy Spirit enabled those disciples to spread the Gospel back then, you can do the same today. God enables us to speak in a different tongue also. For every time that we say, Jesus is Lord, we are speaking a language that we were not born with. To confess Jesus as God and Lord and Savior is a language that cannot be taught to you by human teachers. It is a language that is foreign to your natural vocabulary. And knowing this changes our attitude. With God's power, we no longer say, I can't. As long as the Holy Spirit is not driven out, we will say, I can. We come to realize that it isn't dependent upon us, but on the heavenly helper working through us and God's heavenly helpers standing beside us. We can bring up our children in God's Word. We can earn a living. We can resist temptations. As long as we keep connected to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, there is no reason for us to say, I can't. As the angel told Elizabeth, all things are possible with God. If that is not your attitude, then you need to get reconnected to the Spirit. Remember, it's not Richard Simmons living within you. It's the Holy Spirit, God Almighty. Jesus told His disciples to wait in Jerusalem for this gift of the Holy Spirit. This may sound like it's an easy thing to do, but any of you who have waited on a vacation or a promotion or a holiday or a graduation or for medical tests know that waiting is not all that easy. And it's even more difficult when what it is you're waiting for makes your life dependent upon it. At this point, the disciples' lives were constantly in danger. They needed more power to face all of this hatred and unbelief. But all they could do was wait. You might compare it to waiting in the woods for a friend who's driven off into town to get your rifle to get back while a bear is charging at you at full speed. It's not easy. And it must have been very difficult indeed to sit there for those ten days and just to wait for the gift that would enable these disciples to carry on God's mission. But notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, go to your room and wait there alone. He only said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father promised. He allowed them to spend time together as they waited for this gift. And that's exactly what they did. In the verses which immediately follow our text from the book of Acts today, it says, They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. 
Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What is the significance of this? Remember what the disciples had just been through. They had all seen their leader, the one that they had expected to set up an earthly kingdom, leave them. The angels pretty much told them, don't expect to see him back for a while. The disciples needed to hash this out, one with another. They needed to struggle with it, to talk about it, to come to, ter come to terms with it. If they were left alone, they might have despaired. They might have begun to think to themselves, there is no way that I can survive. But by being able to meet together with one another, with fellow believers, they were able to encourage one another and to reassure one another. They were able to talk about the coming gift of the Holy Spirit with eager expectation. Instead of despairing, all of these disciples and the women encouraged one another, praying for strength. By allowing them to meet together for those ten days, Jesus gave them yet another reason to say, I can. They weren't in this battle alone. They had the help and the support of fellow Christians to assist them through this difficult time. You see, the church kind of works in a way like a pile of charcoal in a barbecue grill. When the coals are all piled together, they feed off one another's heat, keeping each other warm and glowing. But you'll notice, if one of the coals should happen to fall off to one side by itself, it soon loses its heat and its fire goes out. That's almost what happened with Elijah. He had just won a great victory over the 450 prophets of Baal. But then Queen Jezebel threatened his life, and Elijah fled. He was left alone in a cave on Mount Horeb, hundreds of miles away from home. It was at this point of loneliness that Elijah despaired for his life. He said to the Lord, I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me too. But Yahweh assured him, You are not alone. There are 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. With that assurance, Elijah went back to accomplish his mission. That is the way that the Christian church works too. When Christians are left all alone, they can quickly despair. When they fail to worship, when they fail to serve God and one another, and to share other things their faith quickly can lose energy. But when they have the support of others, they are able to grow. Jesus knew this, so He allowed these disciples ten days together to feed off of one another before sending them out. If you have been despairing about your life, wondering if you will be able to face the trials and the temptations that you are facing right now, let me ask you this. Have you been in fellowship with the saints as often as possible? Have you taken the Lord's Supper at every opportunity? Have you been coming to church consistently? Have you been spending time talking with fellow Christians, participating in Bible classes, 
and just talking about the faith that we confess. The devil knows how to attack you by breaking you off apart from the group. Those who are despairing are most often those who have been severed or withdrawn from the fellowship. My friends, life is getting more and more difficult each day, and it will continue to do so. That is in part because we have not been as energetic as we could in bringing Christ's kingdom and His message to the world around us. Because one of the fastest growing faiths in the world is none of the above. And without a strong and confident and faithful church, the devil gets more and more freedom in the world. We are facing problems, it's true, in marriages, in child-rearing, in school, and in the working world every day. But as you can see from today's examples, you do desperately need one another, whether you admit it or not. Coming to church and helping out with boards and committees and the chores around here isn't about just what you can get out of this. Instead, every time that you come together, you are encouraging someone else and are being encouraged yourself just by being present with one another. It gets you to realize that you do have the support of fellow Christians, enabling you to say, I can, rather than I can't. That is one major reason that Jesus established the church and that He gave it pastors and teachers and one another for that very purpose of fellowship. Remember this, the next time that you are tempted to skip a dinner or a worship service or a Bible study. These things are more important than we give them credit for. We need that support so that we can say both to God and to one another and to ourselves, I can. Remember, there is a difference between humility and unbelief. If at this point in their experience with Jesus, the disciples still had said, I can't spread the gospel, that wouldn't have been humility. That would have been unbelief. Dear Christians, know that difference. It is okay to say, I can't, when you realize that you are a weak human being. But now you realize that you do have the Holy Spirit and the support of Christian friends. Jesus has given you two very good reasons to say, I can. Continue to listen to His promises. Continue to meet together in the fellowship of the saints. Continue to thankfully receive all of His gifts. These sources of strength will enable you to say, I can. I can spread the gospel. I can raise my children. I can stay in the faith. I can resist the devil. You know, and you can confidently trust in this, because you confess along with His Word, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. In His holy name, Amen.